Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee Brewers by Peter and David Goh. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, David Go here. Solo episode today. Unfortunately, Peter unable to join us, uh, but that's okay. We've got a lot to cover. I uh, haven't been with you guys in two weeks now. Uh, <clears throat> kind of getting to that point of the season where the Brewers are gearing up for a stretch run into September. Uh, they're still in very good positioning uh, right now in the standings. So, of course, that's very important, hoping to lock up that division in relatively easy fashion. Uh, they're up eight games on the Reds now, with the Brewers running off a nice a nice winning streak, especially that, that last series against the Cubs, and then even against the Pirates taking care of business. The Reds have been playing fine, but uh, still just nine games above 500 compared to the Brewers' 25 games above 500. A little bit hard to overcome that deficit for Cincinnati. Of course, the Brewers weren't able to really take care of the Giants. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. A great series though, in that one, especially for, for Giants fans, because the Brewers probably could have swept, if not at least won two out of three, ended up blowing two of those games, partly because of the, the players that they were missing on the COVID list. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll still talk about that and kind of look at what went wrong and what the Brewers can improve on for the playoffs, if there are areas that they can improve on. Uh, so we're going to start out by just going over some of the results Last time we talked was August 2nd, so right after the trade deadline, going into a series against the Pirates. Feels like a long time ago, um, and it, it kind of was. I mean, that was that was the day that the Brewers traded for John Axford, which feels like a long time ago, uh, which was a great story that lasted, unfortunately, for only about a day. Axford was acquired by the Brewers for a dollar. He had an out in his contract with the Blue Jays, and the Brewers picked him up for um, pretty much nothing. And then he unfortunately uh, suffered significant structural damage in that appearance with the Brewers. His fastball looked pretty good as far as the uh, the velocity. It's, his command was a little bit all over the place. But still a nice story coming from a, a broadcaster with the Blue Jays and then ended up making it to the majors back with his old team, the Brewers. So a uh, pretty nice story there, even though it, it did last uh, only about a day until he was placed on the injured list. One thing I was thinking of is it's probably the first time that the Brewers have acquired somebody who's already qualified for their wall of honor, that wall of honor uh, outside the third base uh, concourse on the, the outside of Miller Park, the exterior, uh, or American Family Field, I should say. Axford's already qualified because he, um, I think, is like top five in saves all time and has the single season saves record for Brewers franchise history. So probably the first guy that they've acquired having already um qualified for that. I know a couple other guys that um, are going to be going into the wall of honor soon uh, or when they retire or or whenever the Brewers are able to honor them. K-Rod being one of them, Jonathan Lucroy, he's still playing. Uh, I think Jeremy Jeffress is another guy who will be on that wall of honor. Uh, and then of course, current guys, Yelich, uh, even Braun, of course, um, being one of those members that will be added onto the wall of honor sometime soon. So Axford, one of those guys, and one of the better relievers in franchise history, ends up making an appearance. It did not feel like it was 2021 seeing John Axford out there pitching for the Brewers, uh, but just wanted to kind of start out with that 
that story and uh, kind of what happened, what transpired there, and also, unfortunately, the story being so short-lived. Exford ended up pitching in that Pirates series where the Brewers did take two out of three at home. Uh, they won that first game 6-2, to two. Uh, and overall, two out of three from the Pirates again. Um, so that was overall you know, a pretty good outcome. Uh, the series then with San Francisco didn't quite go the way that the Brewers hoped. Uh, they took the first game 2-1 to one on a walk-off by Rowdy Telez. Um, Telez has just been outstanding. I mean, there's no way around that. He and Adames, uh, the fact that the two of them were acquired for essentially J.P. Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen, since Richards was then flipped after the Rays trade to Toronto for Telez, um, is just, I mean, a, a great use of resources. The Brewers' farm system being kind of thin overall. But Stern's able to find a way to um, bolster the team while not subtracting too much from the bullpen um, was uh, very impressive and shows how how good Stern's is as an executive, or Stern's and Arnold, Matt Arnold, I should say, since both of them um, being the key decision makers uh, as far as the Brewers uh, roster and their organization as a whole. Um, today, we're actually, uh, before I forget, going to go over the random player of the day. Dennis Sarfate, he's an old name. Um, speaking of old names with uh, with Axford, um, Dennis Sarfate pitched for the Brewers for just one year in the, the majors. Um, he was back in 2006, eight and a third innings. He had a 4-3-2 ERA, um, allowing four runs over eight and a third innings, and he struck out 11, so uh, pretty good. And at the age of 25, he was originally drafted by the Brewers back in 2001. And then he ended up kind of bouncing around, uh, went to the Baltimore organization um, and did pitch a little bit in the major leagues with them. And then he decided to go to Japan in, in 2011 and had a very successful run. Um, he played for the Hiroshima Toyo Carp. He also played for uh, the Cebu Lions and <clears throat> the SoftBank Hawks. So he had a, a very nice tenure in Japan. Ended up having a 1.57 ERA across 435 innings out of the bullpen, 574 strikeouts, and he saved 234 games. One of the best closers in Japanese baseball history, actually. He retired after the 2018 season, um, and I, I kind of was looking at things of uh, Japanese baseball um, just when I was bored last week and ended up kind of thinking about Dennis Sarfate um, because what else would you think about when you're thinking about Japanese baseball uh, and Sarfate one of the better one of the better pitchers to go overseas and then almost reinvent himself uh, and kind of prolong his career uh, in that regard but going back to uh, the, the results of, of the Brewers over the past couple weeks that giant series the Avisail Garcia um, error that blew the game on Saturday the offense still performed well uh, the uh, the Adamas and Urias home runs in extra innings uh, being key <clears throat> to prolong the game. But the, the thin bullpen really, it showed. Uh, Sal Romano had to come in, in in a tie game in the 11th inning, a, a waiver claim. They were kind of scrambling, and he was the only guy that really was able to come in and pitch. So Romano ended up um, blowing the, the tie game again, <clears throat> and they fell 9-6 in that game, and then lost 5-4 uh, after another bullpen um, kind of bullpen blow up in late in the game on Sunday. So unfortunately, only took one out of three from the MLB best San Francisco Giants. 
They then went to Chicago uh, to play a four-game set against the Cubs and ended up sweeping in dominant fashion. They swept the doubleheader on Tuesday and then blew them out 10-0 on Wednesday and 17-4 on Thursday. I kind of wonder what's gotten into the Brewers' offense because they've been firing on all cylinders. Uh, We'll talk about that. I know Will Salmon said that they kind of were struggling with breaking pitches and off-speed pitches, and then once they kind of started hitting the breaking pitches and the off-speed pitches, then everything was clicking because uh, they were able to make adjustments and then not just wait for the fastball because if you're you're only able to hit the fastball at the major league level, you're not going to be very successful. The Brewers were able to make that adjustment. Uh, I know one of the guys he mentioned, Avisail Garcia, who we'll get to in a minute. He's having a very nice season and has really flown under the radar as probably the Brewers' most consistent performer all year long. But the Brewers able to um, especially get to Jake Arrieta, who then the Cubs waived after the game, and Kyle Hendricks, who the Brewers typically don't hit that well off of, um, ended up tagging him for, I think, nine runs in four innings. So uh, overall, very outstanding performance. I know the Cubs are, are no longer the Cubs of the, I guess, the 2010s. Uh, think of Rizzo and Brian and Baez all being traded. But they're still the Cubs. They're still a division rival and a team that they really should beat regularly now. The Brewers did just that. Went to Pittsburgh for a three-game set, a rainout on Friday in classic um, Pittsburgh Pirates fashion, but then split the doubleheader on Saturday and one on Sunday to take two out of three. Brewers winning six of their seven games um, over the past week. So even though they were teams that the Brewers should more or less take care of, the Brewers did that. They won six out of seven, uh, gained a couple games in the NL Central standings, and they now head to St. Louis for a three-game set against the Cardinals before returning home against Washington, another team that sold off a lot of their pieces and is not the Washington Nationals that we've seen over the past couple of years. So the Brewers hopefully are able to um, to take a couple more from Washington. St. Louis has been playing a little bit better baseball lately. They've won six straight, eight of their last 10. So not necessarily an easy series against the Cardinals, but the, the Brewers are a much better team than the Cardinals. So should be able to um, take at least two out of three from the Cardinals, ideally. The Brewers also have been dealing with a, a major COVID outbreak, COVID um, issue. So that's been overall kind of a something that the Brewers have had to navigate over the last couple weeks. Finally getting towards the end of it uh, with a lot of their players back. Yelich was the first domino to fall uh, with him getting COVID. Uh, but then after that, Hunter Strickland, Jake Cousins, Josh Hader, um, Jace Peterson as well around the time that Yelich did. Keston Hira, who was not on the major league roster, uh, but he ended up catching COVID-19 as well. Eric Lauer, Yandel Gustave, Adrian Hauser. So uh, there are a lot of players that ended up being hit with COVID. Uh, and the Brewers definitely felt their loss, especially in the bullpen. When we had, like I said, Sal Romano pitching meaningful innings towards the end of the year or end of the, the end of the games, I should say. We had Devin Williams closing out games, who did a pretty good job filling in uh, along with Boxberger. But the Brewers' bullpen clearly was a little bit taxed and uh, pretty compromised in light of the COVID outbreak. Finally, at the end of it, Eric Lauer coming back uh, to start, I think it's tonight or tomorrow, I should say. Uh, and Hader is back as well. Um, Hauser, I think, being the main guy who is... Um, who is still out with COVID-19. Aaron Ashby um, had a nice couple starts 
over the last couple weeks. Um, that is one pitcher that I would was going to mention. Um, Ashby, of course, had that terrible first start against the Cubs, um, but he since followed that up uh, with a nice start against the Cubs and overall looking a lot better. Um, he kind of uh, evened out his stats after that terrible outing. He only went two innings because of the rain delay um, against Chicago, but two innings, no runs, two hits, uh, no walks, and a strikeout, and looked much better, looked in control, um, and was a good outing for him. He's not fully stretched out, so uh, he's not going five, six, seven innings. Uh, but then against Pittsburgh, four innings, shutout, three hits, no walks, four strikeouts, and really looked good with the, the sinker, changeup, and slider combination that he has. I think Ashby is a guy who will get be getting meaningful outs for the Brewers down the stretch, especially we saw the Brewers lose John Curtis, um, who will need Tommy John surgery, unfortunately. He'll be out all of the, the rest of this year and next year as well. Aaron Ashby probably will step up in a Corbin Burns-esque role from, if you harken back to 2018, uh, he and Freddie Peralta and kind of Brandon Woodruff out of the bullpen. I think Ashby's someone who will be able to step in in that role. He's got excellent stuff. I, I do think he's major league ready, uh, just maybe not quite major league ready for a spot in the rotation. But I do think that the Brewers should try to utilize Ashby in the bullpen. They, they did option him back down, but I do think he'll be up again pretty soon uh, to help with the bullpen. Having him um, in the bullpen does definitely um, lengthen or, or strengthen, I should say. Uh, the Brewers' bullpen as a whole. Uh, also having Hauser out, the Brewers needed another starter, and Ashby was able to step in for that. Um, and one thing I wanted to note also is just how good the Brewers' rotation has been. Um, if you look at, of course, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, three of the probably top five starting pitchers in the National League, um, all with ERAs between 2.18 for Woodruff and 2.26 for Freddie Peralta, uh, all with over 10 strikeouts per nine. Uh, Burns is, I think, tied for the league lead in wins above replacement, according to fan graphs. And that's even with throwing uh, 20, 30 less innings than some of the other pitchers. Uh, those three have been outstanding, but also Adrian Hauser, 3.55 ERA in, in 104 innings. He doesn't get the big strikeout numbers. Um, the The analytics don't, don't like Hauser as much because he has not super high strikeout rates. Uh, his walk rates are a little bit high, but he has a lot of ground balls. And uh, the Brewers, with their great infield defense, that's something that has benefited him for sure. And it has benefited Brett Anderson as well. His ERA was, I think, in the mid-threes going into that game against Pittsburgh where he kind of had a blow-up outing. But still is running an ERA of 409, which is just slightly below average. Uh, doing so, his average fastball is just 89 miles an hour. Uh, and he also, like Hauser, uh, gets only 5.6 Ks per nine which is probably one of the lowest marks in the league. But Anderson's been a nice piece in the rotation uh, and someone that I don't think the Brewers will bring back after this year, uh, but still a great veteran, uh, stabling presence in the rotation. And Eric Lauer has stepped up 3-4-4 ERA in 73 innings. A lot of Brewer fans were very pessimistic about Eric Lauer's future, especially after last year where it was kind of a lost year for him. Um, I was pretty confident that Lauer would end up playing a big role with the Brewers um, this year, and he has. The Brewers needed extra rotation depth with Burns going out with COVID earlier in the year. 
Um, and then Anderson getting hurt as well. Hauser now out with COVID. And the Brewers utilizing a six-man rotation as well. Having Lauer there as that sixth starter um, and an above-average starting pitcher um, has been huge for the Brewers. And I think that he will get some meaningful outs for the Brewers in the postseason. Uh, usually in the postseason, you need three or four starters and like four relievers. I think Lauer is kind of that long man that the Brewers might need. I almost wonder if Brett Anderson will be left off the postseason roster. He's not really a guy who is super effective in the postseason. I would feel kind of bad for him if the Brewers did leave him off the postseason roster, having played a big role in the regular season. Uh, kind of reminds me of back in 2017, Mike Fires. He led the Astros in innings pitched, and then they left him off the postseason roster. I think Anderson, someone like that, where um, doesn't exactly um, fit the uh, the mold that well. Um, and maybe the Brewers, in say for a fourth starter, try to piggyback Hauser and Lauer. Uh, that's a route that the Brewers could choose to go. Or maybe just utilize one of them out of the bullpen alongside Hayter, Williams, Suter, and Boxberger, um, who, by the way, all have ERAs under three. The Brewers' bullpen doesn't get talked about enough because the rotation has been so good. Uh, but I think it's time that the Brewers get credit uh, and those those relievers get credit for their excellent work out of the pen as well. Uh, their, their staff as a whole is really, really good. Derek Shelton said the Brewers are for sure a top two team in the National League. I fully believe that. I think the Brewers are positioned really well uh, in the playoffs or for the postseason. Keith Law from The Athletic was saying that um, he thinks that the Brewers are a really legit team, a legit World Series contender. He thinks that this is probably the Brewers' best opportunity to win the World Series they've had in recent memory, the best team they've had, um, even better than 2011, 2018, when they were not far off from making it to the World Series. And I think that this might be the Brewers' year, especially the NL West teams kind of having to beat up on themselves. Hopefully the Brewers get the two seed in the postseason uh, so they are able to only play one of the NL West teams. Uh, in the uh, the championship series, assuming the Brewers are able to get past uh, the NL East division champion. But I think the Brewers are set up to have a very, very good postseason run. I'm really excited for it. Um, and I know we've been kind of talking about that throughout the year, and we'll talk about that more uh, as we get closer to the playoffs. Um, if you look around baseball, though, a little bit, uh, kind of looked at looking at the NL East, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and the Mets all kind of clustered together. The Mets have been in the driver's seat in that division, but they've really faltered as of late, uh, winning only three of their last 10. Atlanta's now taking the division lead, and that's without Acuna, without Mike Soroka, uh, so, and Marcelo Zuna as well. So the Braves might actually end up winning the division yet again. Philadelphia, though, is challenging for that division, just a game behind Atlanta. Uh, the Mets two and a half behind Atlanta right now, sitting just a game above 500. Um, the NL East is a definitely a division to watch. Uh, I, I guess I would have to say I do think the Mets will probably end up winning it, um, and I would probably want to play either Atlanta or Philadelphia if I'm the Brewers. Um, the The Mets have a better pitching staff, the rotation that could kind of carry them, uh, especially in a five game series. So overall, I'm feeling a little bit more confident about the Brewers playing Atlanta or Philadelphia. But at the same time, the Brewers are a very, very good team. And, I mean, that's going to be a pretty weak postseason team regardless. Anything can happen in the postseason. Uh, and I think the Brewers are set up very well um, to make a good postseason run. Another topic of conversation that's been 
kind of surfacing over uh, the last couple weeks. Uh, Willie Adamas for NL MVP. Uh, he has 3.5 Fangraphs wins above replacement, uh, which would put him at kind of like around 10th, 10th or 12th uh, in the National League. But the impact that he's had on the Brewers has been, I mean, nothing short of incredible. Um, he Since he joined the Brewers, he's hitting 297, 378 on base, 551 slugging, his excellent defense, and he has ignited that Brewers offense. I think to um, to say that he shouldn't be an MVP candidate, he's not at all a candidate, um, would be an oversight, even if maybe his numbers aren't quite as good as some of the other candidates. Um, Tatis probably will win MVP. Uh, he just came back from the injured list, slugging 671, playing a premium defensive position. But I do think it's worth giving uh, a look towards Willie Adamas as NL MVP. The way that he has turned around the Brewers since the trade, uh, I think if if you've been paying attention to the Brewers, um, you know the impact that he's had. But also, I think a lot of the other position players have gone uh, largely under the radar. Omar Narvaez has continued to have a very solid year. 378 on base, 462 slugging, and really has been good with the glove, which has been a, a great development, uh, especially just two years ago. He was one of the worst defenders in baseball. Avisail Garcia, uh, 482 slugging, 21 home runs already. Uh, he's been the Brewers' probably most consistent run producer throughout the year. Colton Wong getting on base at the top of the lineup as well, kind of igniting that Brewers' offense. And Luis Urias, um, he actually leads the Brewers in plate appearances, and he's been very solid. I know he's made some errors at shortstop, third base, but his defense has still been solid, um, at least around average, making up for that with some great plays that he's made. 338 on base, 446 slugging. I know a lot of people were saying that the Brewers lost the trade by trading away Grisham and Zach Davies. Davies had a nice like 10 starts for San Diego before they traded him to Chicago. Um, and Grisham is still, he's having a solid year, had a great year last year. But Urias has picked it up. Urias is younger than Grisham. I think there's a little bit more for Urias to tap into as well. And Lauer, we were talking about him earlier, has been excellent. They have Lauer locked up for a few more years as well under team control. So Lauer has been great. Urias has been very good as well. Um, I think that even though maybe we doubted Stearns for a moment, uh, I think it kind of reminds us to put our trust in Stearns as the Brewers' uh, key decision maker. And along with uh, Urias in the infield, Jace Peterson, 391 on base percentage, he has been a stable, a stabling presence um, in the middle infield and playing all over the diamond, really. Tyrone Taylor uh, as well, slugging 459. Rowdy Telez hitting 333 in 30 games so far, 414 on base percentage, six home runs already. Escobar stepped in and played well as well. So the Brewers have pieces all over that have really performed. Um, I think that the Brewers are really set up nicely um, in the postseason. Uh, and I know we've kind of talked about that before. I'm not going to get into you know power rankings of the postseason teams, but kind of just wanted to give an update on how the Brewers are doing, how they did over the last week, how they're positioned going into the postseason. Um, and we were able to do just that on this shortened episode, uh, just a solo episode. Wanted to kind of just touch base and see how the team has been over the last couple weeks and how they are looking into the future. Again, three games set against St. Louis and then at home against Washington. Uh, hopefully the Brewers are able to continue uh, their good run and make a push for even 100 wins. Um, I think 
that's something that has never been done before in Brewers franchise history, and that would be kind of a, a way to cap off the season, uh, the regular season, as they head into the playoffs uh, with maybe the best team that the Brewers have ever had in franchise history. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you again for listening. Stay tuned. We might be going a little bit more to an every other week format uh, right now as the Brewers kind of just are steadily in the race uh, or, or steadily atop the division. Um, not a whole lot to cover, uh, but we'll keep you posted. We'll keep you in the loop and uh, be sure to be looking out for our new episodes uh, and we'll for sure be sure to ramp it up a little bit more as the Brewers make a postseason run uh, late in September and into the playoffs. Thanks again for listening, and as always, signing off, go Brewers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there and interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.